Hello, I'm T.S. Wright, and welcome to the God-Centered Concept. Episode 10, The God-Centered Process, Part 6. So, let's begin this particular episode by diving into uh, the book of Revelation, chapter 3, and we're going to jump down to verse 21. We've covered all the way from 14 through 20, and so we're going to jump to to verse 21 and talk about another step in this process. And I think this is important because as, as we get towards the end of this process, we have to understand that it's, it's kind of like being in the fourth quarter of a game or, you know, you're at the climax of your, if you're in band or music, you know, some kind of composition, you know, you, you've got to, you've got to hit that main part perfectly at that right moment to really make the final piece work and, and it brings everything together. You know, it's just like somebody producing a movie or a show, there's that climax and then there's the, you know, there's that, that part that just makes everything make sense and ties it all together. You know, an athletic event, like I said, fourth quarter, you're coming down the last few minutes or you're in the last inning of a game, you know, you got to finish. And so this verse is all about that. This is about the finish. This is about finishing strong so that we can have the victory. And so this verse is all about the victory. So anyway, here, let's get, let's just go ahead and read this. It says right here, and I've got the interlinear version, uh, but I'm going to go ahead and switch over to the BSB version and then come back to the interlinear version for you guys. Um, and this is what it says. It says to the one who overcomes, I will grant the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. Now that's actually very similar to the King James version. If you read the net version, it's going to say conquer versus overcome. Okay. So, but anyway, if you go to the interlinear version, which is the one I like to use, um, it's the I really use a lot of the interlinear version because I really like to understand the Bible. And this is kind of a side note. I like to look at it in its original language. You know, it's written in Greek, in the New Testament, Old Testament, most of it's Hebrew, a little bit of Aramaic in there. So I really, I do like that because it gives me an understanding of what, what the original word was and what the entire meaning of it is and the intensity of that meaning. Sometimes when we translate over from English, we lose that intensity of the meaning. And so that's, you know, English is a hard language to translate into. And so we got to watch that a little bit. And so that to really, to really dive into the word, you, I encourage you to do that. You don't have to, but I do encourage you to do that. So if we go over and we go to this word overcame, which is where it is, and then there's overcoming, and this is uh, stated a couple of times here, you get this word Nikon, it's Nikon is what it is. And I, apologize my Greek's a little not <laughs> I'm not real good with the Greek language so but Nikesia is the one for overcame and it's it in both of these words derived from the word Nike okay the one you understand as you know the brand the name brand of the shoes and the clothes and all that stuff and you know you've seen their start and how they got that from you know with Michael Jordan and how that really exploded Nike to the brand that it is today. But um, if you look at this, 
what this word means is to conquer, be victorious, overcome, prevail, subdue, to subdue, and it comes from the word Nike. So I think it's important we we explore that because we really need to understand what this what's going on here. Jesus is giving us that final push, okay? And really, the undercurrent, underlying meaning of all this is about what awaits us if we persevere, okay, in our faith. And sometimes persevering in our faith is just, it's hard. It is, and it's really about the faith and your relationship with God standing the test of time. Um, you know, God has the right to test us. He does. You know, he, he's not the one that tempts us, but he does have the right to test our faith and allow the, or, and, and maybe a better way to think of it is to allow it to be tested. So he has the right to do that. And, you know, God's the owner. He's the creator. He has a right to do this however he chooses. So we need to always keep that in mind. And, you know, he wants, he wants to test our hearts. He tested the hearts of the Israelites. You go back and you can read Deuteronomy 8, and it talks about that. Um, it talks about him testing them and, and, and seeing if they were ready to do what they're doing, you know, and, and God will test us to see if we're ready. I mean, I'll be honest with you, he's tested me a lot of times before he was, before he really pushed me to go and start doing this podcast. I mean, I was tested in many ways. And so I had to stand that test and I finally did. Um, and, and it, it had to do with a lot of different pieces of my life, but I had to get in alignment to be able to do this. So anyway, part of this process is standing that test. And so that undercurrent is about persevering. It is. And being able to work through the testing of your faith. Because you've worked through this process. You've established this relationship. Now you know the will. But now you have to do it and stay on that road. Okay? You have to stay on that path. And what we're going to do today is I'm going to give you a few, some verses here to, to help you and to and kind of to see what that is. You know, what this, what, really tie this in and to see what this looks like in real life in real time. So, and then we're going to, we're going to kind of step back and we're going to look at today's environment and apply that. Okay. So let's, let's get into some verses here. Um, in James chapter one, there is this whole thing going on about rejoicing in trials and, you know, the good and perfect gifts and the hearing and the doing. And, and we, we get a lot of that. Okay, and he explains that as he's he's walking through and talks about bridling the tongue and being doers of the word and you know do not be deceived and and those things and I encourage you to read all of James chapter one but I'm going to focus on a few verses here and we're going to start with verse two. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you encounter trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Allow perseverance to finish its work, so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Now, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. A really another way to understand that verse is that he doesn't, it's not even without finding fault, but the, the other part of that is he's impartial. You know, if you, if you follow him, he's not going to measure how much money you have or, oh, he's favoring this person over that person. No. He'll give it to the way he sees fit, but you know what? He's not, he's not impartial at all. He's just going to allow it to happen. Okay. And he's going to give this, he's going to give it as you ask, and he's going to give it as you demonstrate faith 
to receive it. Okay. And that's a good way to think of it. Let's go back to verse six now, but he must ask in faith without doubting because he who doubts is like the, a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That man should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. He is a double minded man, unstable in all his ways. So I'm going to tell you right now, we're going to have an episode where we talk about some things in James. James kind of reads out like a Proverbs for the New Testament. And we're going to discuss some, some issues that I believe are very important in the process of developing our faith and developing our connection with God and deepening that. But for now, we know that we have to have faith. You know, faith is side of size of a mustard seed. When we do our Matthew 13 breakdown, we're going to talk about that. Okay. And so that, but that faith and, and for now, that faith has to be anchored in truth. Okay. Which leads me right back to where we're at with Revelation chapter three. That faith has to anchor me in truth. It has to be anchored in truth. And the truth comes from his word and from his spirit. And we need both. Okay. And again, we've already stated that those two are always in agreement. Well, when we dial this all the way back, it goes back to the gold refined by fire. All of this goes back to that. When we talk about having the victory in Jesus, it all goes back to the truth. Everything is surrounded and anchored by the truth. You know, we talk about love a lot, and the, and the Bible tells us to, to approach in love and that we are to love our neighbors ourselves and, and those things. But love and grace come from embracing the truth. And the truth, the first part of this truth is this, is that we are sinful. And we have to own that. We have to own the fact that we're sinful. But that God, in his generous mercy, in his amazing grace, has given us the opportunity to have victory in him. If we choose to submit ourselves and our will to him. I mean, at the end of the day, this process ties up into that. And the victory is that we continue to persevere in our faith and we continue to grow in our faith and we continue to pursue God. So really what this particular verse is, and for us in this day and age, is that we, this is that kind of that calling card that we need to continue to pursue God and to pursue the growth of our faith and our connection with him. That's really what this is. And so that's how we attain the victory. We are consistent and persistent. I mean, those are those are the two words, and we stay on that path. We fall off the horse, we get right back on. Something goes wrong, we get right back to it. We make a mistake, we confess, we receive the discipline as well. Remember, it's not just having the rebuke or confession and, and the conviction and that we just confess, but we also have to take the steps of restructuring so that we don't fall into that hole again, so to speak. So having that zeal, that earnestness is important. Okay. And that takes us through that process. And, but we got also got to have that fellowship with God. He's the one that gives us or in, in, with Jesus. And what happens is, is that Jesus restores us. You know, sometimes we need that break. Even Jesus took the breaks. And we talked about that in the last episode and we, we've been discussing some of that, but even Jesus took breaks. And he had to have fellowship with the Father. Well, if he has to have it, so do we. And we know that. And it's kind of a repeat of what I've already said. But we also got to maintain and push forward. And sometimes that's hard. It is. 
our faith is going to be tested. There's going to be difficult moments. There's going to be potentially persecution in some way, form, or fashion. Okay, and we need to be prepared for that. So we're going to go to 2 Timothy here, chapter 3. We're going to start with verse 10. It says, You, however, my observe, have observed my teaching, my conduct, my purpose, my faith, my patience, my love, my perseverance, my persecutions, and the sufferings that came upon me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra. With what, excuse me, what persecutions I endured, yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. Indeed, all who desire to live godly lives in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. While evil men and impostors go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. Verse 14, but as you, but as for you, continue in the things you have learned and firmly believed, since you know from whom you have learned them. From infancy, you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scriptures God breathed and is useful for instruction, for conviction, for correction, and for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be complete, fully equipped for every good work. And then we're going to, we're also going to jump over here back to the Sermon on the Mount. And, you know, we're going to do a whole segment on the Sermon on the Mount. We're going to really specifically here in the next few episodes, we're going to start diving into the Beatitudes. And so I'm kind of giving you a little hint to what's coming. Okay. And we're going to, we're going to do that. And we're going to talk about that with the Ten Commandments and how that works as a process to help us to walk with Christ in the way that he wants us to walk. Okay. And he, he layers this out in this, but you know, I like to use, I like to, I like to come in here and, and I like to use this particular um, this particular passage because there's so much to these couple of verses that I'm getting ready to speak. So Matthew chapter 7, verse 13 and 14, really fits with what we're talking about here. And it says this, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life, and only if you find it. So... This particular breakdown is really about your faith. It really is. It's about, am I, am I willing to submit myself to the will of Christ? Once I have that fellowship, and I see so many people get to this point, and then they, they fall off. They just fall off because they, they don't understand that there's another piece to this. They just, they just don't know. And the other piece is, is that God's going to start calling you. Now you have to respond. And your faith is going to be tested. And in this testing, you're going to keep, you know, there's going to be some failures. Just accept that, but keep going. And when you do that, that's going to overcome, that's going to help you overcome all things. Okay. When you, when you have that failure, it's how quickly you bounce back. It's how quickly we come back because we want to be the people entering that small gate. All right. And walking that narrow road that leads to life. And we do that by making our faith stronger than our moment. When we have a bad moment, our faith should be stronger than our moment. When we have a good moment, our faith should be stronger than our moment. Let me say that again. Your faith should always be stronger than your moment. Because no matter if it's a success, a failure, if it's just kind of neutral... 
We're going to have all these moments in our lives. But when we attach ourselves to our moments and our experiences versus walking in our faith with our attachment to Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, then we start attaching ourselves to the things of the world. And that can happen. We get caught up in the jubilation and excitement. It's just like somebody who receives salvation. Once they do this, one of the first things that somebody needs to do is come alongside them and explain this. You're excited and it is awesome. And this, you've had this burden lifted off of you and that you feel like the weight of the world has been lifted off you. But here's the issue. That excitement's going to wear off. Are you going to be addicted to the feeling? You know, are you going to be attached to the feeling? Are you going to absorb that? Or are you going to be committed to growing your faith with Christ? The thing that happened to me when I first received Christ is this insatiable hunger for the word. And I had some little periods and I was younger at that time back in, and I was late teens and early twenties. I had some periods where I kind of drifted off back and forth, back and forth. It just, it was kind of this back and forth, but I was fortunate enough that there was a person that came into my life that, that mentored me through that process. Really. I, and it was, it's just an amazing experience. And I, um, I am thankful to God every day that he brought, he brought this guy in my life to help me. And it's planted the seeds for what would happen later. It really did. And so to keep me, to keep my faith always bigger than my moment. So remember this conquering conquest is all about that. Okay. It's about making your faith the key aspect and your faith should be all about your attachment to Jesus and doing his will. Okay. It's, it's being surrendered. And as we grow in our faith, it's learning more and more to do his will. It's just like a young kid growing up, you know, they get older and then they have to start learning to behave like an adult and then eventually become an adult. And there's going to be issues and problems and, you know, this adulting isn't always fun and we, we can all kind of chuckle about that. But at the end of the day, all right, it is about growing and then walking with Christ in obedience to his will. He's going to call us. The question is, are we going to respond? And verse 21 is all about that. By responding, we are building our heavenly rewards with him. And when we're, as we're building those, we're going to get more confident and it's going to get better and better. And the thing is, is, is I'm just going to say this, you're going to be rejected by the world. There's going to be rejection. I mean, it's just going to happen. I mean, even people who are walking in the faith, you're going to be rejected. Okay. Everybody gets rejected. Everybody's going to get turned down. There's going to be some setbacks. What do you do? How do you respond to that setback is really what it comes down to. You know, do we have a persevering attitude? Do we have the attitude that our faith outweighs that moment of rejection? Are we going to continue in that faith? What are we going to do? Because the real victory and the, and the reward is going to come as a result of sticking and staying and attaining to our faith. So, and, and it's our faith in Christ, of course. So let's look at this last piece of this verse and I will grant the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. So Jesus is saying, I've given you the example. And then Jesus not only did that, but he gave us the disciples as examples of what would happen once they received the power of the Holy Spirit. I mean, hey, what better example is there than Paul? Oh my gosh, that guy's life is incredible. 
he had it all and gave it all up for Christ. And what he did was he said, he, he reached, think about it. He's still reaching people. Paul and what he did and the, the ministry that he set, okay. And his missions, not only his mission trips, but his words, the things he wrote, the letters he sent, they are still bringing people not only to salvation, but they are still those words are still discipling people to this day. You're reading a lot of them right now. I'm giving you those in some of these in some of these different readings in in some of these other disciples as well. So, the reach and the impact that Paul had, that how Jesus used him, is is insanely incredible. It's it's beyond a miracle. Okay, you know watching somebody be healed or, and all that. And that stuff happens, but that's temporary. But this is eternal and eternal miracles far outweigh any temporary earthly miracle that'll ever happen. Okay. So just, we, we need to, and we need to sell out to that, that our focus is going to be on the eternal. And we're going to follow that example that Jesus gave us and that the disciples gave us that Paul set out for us and gave us in that the reward is that we're going to get to sit with Jesus on his throne as co-heirs. And there is nothing in this world that will compare, even coming close to comparing to being with Jesus, to sitting with him on his throne. And we get to do that. All of us that have our, that put our faith in him and walk in that faith. Salvation is a moment but growing in him and walking with him and doing his will is a consistent faith life journey. It's a consistent faith life journey. So my, my challenge to you today is to ask you this question, and it's for you to answer this. Is your faith bigger than your moment? Does your faith outweigh the moment that you live in? So I'm going to leave you with a few uh, extra readings. I would encourage you guys to read 2 Peter chapter 1. You can especially focus on verse 6. Go back to Romans chapter 12. And you know what? Go down to verse 12 in this particular one. So you can read in the captions that I'll have. I'll leave some of these, I'll leave these verses in there, these passages for your further reading and, and prayer and journaling. But again, that challenge is your faith bigger than your moment? Until next time, go forth in total surrender to the one who owns and reigns over all creation.